Can we give the Lord a hand for this just amazing time of worship? Wow. I tell you what, if you cannot preach after that, you don't need to be preaching. So what an honor it is to be able to follow that and, and to uh, open up God's word with you. Are you glad to be here? Awesome. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to sit by me this morning. Why don't you tell them that? What a joy it is to be with you. As pastors already said, my name is Shane, and uh, it's a joy to be with you. I tell you what, every week um, I travel across the nation. I'm with different churches and different events and conferences and leaders. And one thing I've come to realize is that a good pastor is a gift from our great God. And God has blessed this church with an incredible pastor. Would you agree with that and team? So thank you, Pastor, for having me. Thank you. What an honor. Uh, If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, or scroll in your phone to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is right after John chapter 2. Does that help anybody? All right. If you have something to write on and write with, if you'll go ahead and get that out. What we're going to look at today is how God's love is real love. What is real love look like. Uh, even Daniel talked a while ago about the different forms of love you see in the scriptures. Um, and if we're going to look at what real love is, we need to turn to the scriptures. Um, because I think the world is very confused about what love is. In fact, I think we all will find ourselves chasing after things. And the world says, if you get this, if you get that, then you'll be fulfilled, right? And so we've all heard those things, you know, when we were younger, if I could just get into the right school, then I'll be complete. Um, If I could just make the starting lineup, then I'd be complete. If I could just make the varsity team, then I'd be complete. Um, If I could just get the right job, get into the right school. If I could just have the right uh, house. If I uh, could just get the right spouse, then they would complete me, right? If I could just get this and this. And it's never enough because this is true. You'll always feel like something is missing in your life as long as someone is missing and his name is Jesus, that there's no participation trophies for false dead gods. There's only one God, one king, one champion, and his name is the name above every name. His name is Jesus. And today we're going to talk about Jesus. Are y'all okay with that? You know, I didn't grow up in church. In fact, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. In fact, I always say the first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony. You know what I mean? And God saved me out of a lot. And I remember vividly of what it was like without Jesus. It's much better with Jesus. Would you agree with that? So I get excited. I get passionate. Might even get a little loud. But I want you to know I'm one of those preachers. I welcome amens. I welcome hallelujahs. I welcome praise the Lord's. In fact, for every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, here, I'm going to take 30 seconds off the sermon. How about that? All right, there you go. If you look at John chapter 3, and starting in verse 1, there's this religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and at this time he's not a follower of Jesus. He's not born again. He doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah, um, but he recognizes there's something different about Jesus, so he wants to go meet Jesus. Um, but it would not be good for him to be seen with Jesus because all of Nicodemus's Pharisee boys hated Jesus. In fact, they were already plotting to kill Jesus, but Nicodemus was more intrigued by him. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that Nicodemus actually did become a follower of Jesus and that he was born again eventually, but at this time he's not. 
But he recognizes something different about Jesus because Jesus is already performing miracles. Um, he's teaching the Word of God in a way they had never heard before because he is the Word of God. So Nicodemus wants to meet with Jesus, so he goes at night to meet with Jesus so nobody else seems. So Nicodemus approaches Jesus in the middle of the night. Some people call this Nick at night. All right, that's a bad dad joke. That's a bad dad joke. And Jesus basically throws Nicodemus a curveball and says, listen, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And this confuses Nicodemus because Nicodemus was a religious leader and he goes, I never even heard what this means to be born again. This also goes to show you can be very religious and very moral and very lost at the same time. And so maybe today what you're going to hear and about to hear, maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this. And at the end of the message, you're going to have a moment to where you got to consider, do you know Jesus? And maybe what you've heard today and what you're going to hear today is the first time you ever heard it. Maybe today you're going to really meet Jesus for the first time and really understand what God's love is all about. Maybe what you're about to hear, you've heard a thousand times. But maybe today it's just going to hit differently and you realize, I don't really know Jesus. I know a lot about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. And in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus and really understand what God's forgiveness is all about. Maybe today you started the service walking into this building thinking that you are a Christian because you attend a church building. And maybe you even believe in the big man upstairs, but you don't have any relationship with a holy God. And there's no evidence that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in you. But maybe today you'll meet Jesus for the first time and really begin a relationship with him. See, Nicodemus knew who Jesus was, but he didn't really know who Jesus was. So Jesus throws him a curveball and goes, listen, you must be born again. And this confuses Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is thinking of physical terms. And he's like, how can I be born again? I'm a grown man. I'm big. I can't re-enter my mother's womb. How is that possible? And this would have been the point if Jesus was on earth today. And if he lived in the south, this would have been the point Jesus would have looked at Nicodemus and gone, Nicodemus, bless your heart. (laughs) Because Jesus going, I'm actually not talking about physical things. I'm talking about spiritual things. You must be spiritually born again. The kingdom of God is not something you're born into. You have to be reborn into it. And Nicodemus is very confused by this. So then you fast forward to John 3.16. And John 3.16 is Jesus telling Nicodemus how to enter the kingdom of God. It's Jesus telling Nicodemus how to be born again. Now John 3.16, you've probably seen it on a Christian t-shirt or on a coffee mug. If you've been to a sporting event, you've seen it on signs. Um, You didn't even have to grow up going to church to know John 3.16. See, a lot of people can quote John 3.16, but they don't know the one whom John 3.16 is about. And we're going to look at that. So in context, John 3.16 is Jesus telling Nicodemus how to enter the kingdom of God. He's telling Nicodemus how to be born again. Well, now look at John 3.16. I'll be reading now the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. Here's Jesus speaking. He says, for God loved the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Tell them that. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son. And church, what's the name of that son? It's Jesus talking about himself. So that God gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Number one, would you write this down? God showed love by sending his best. We want to know what real love is. Actually, love is a person. 
You know, often when we think about love, we think it's a verb, that it's action. And that's true. You can show love through an action, but love is also a noun. Love is a person. First John says, God is love. You can say it like this. Love has a name, and his name is Jesus. That God loved us so much, he sent his best for us, his son, Jesus. But we also need to realize this. Remember, Nicodemus goes, there's something different about you. Obviously, you're sent from God. No, no, no. Jesus isn't just sent from God. Jesus is God. In fact, one of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That God loved us so much, he sent his best for us, himself. He came after us. See, the world has a lot of opinions about who God is. In fact, there's all kind of opinions about God and culture. In fact, listen to this. Atheists say there is no God. Agnostics say there might be a God. Humanists say let's remove God. Pornography says sex is God. Greed says money is God. Government says power is God. Pride says I am God. But the Bible teaches Jesus is God. God loved us so much he sent his best for us. Now, a lot of times we'll quote John 3, 16 and stop right there. But we're going to keep going because the Bible keeps going. And we're going to keep reading because Jesus keeps talking. In fact, to really enjoy the beauty of John 3, 16, you also got to understand John 3, 17 and John 3, 18. Listen, Jesus keeps talking here. And he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How many of you agree? That's good news. Number two, would you write that down? Jesus did not come to condemn us. So God loved us so much, he sent his best for us, Jesus. And when Jesus came, he did not come to condemn us. Let's continue on in verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already, what does your Bible say? condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God in church what's that name it's Jesus number three would you write this down Jesus came to save us now we're going to unpack all that so here's the three major points that Jesus is pointing out here that God loved us so much he sent his best for us Jesus and when Jesus came to earth he did not come to condemn us he came to save us good news everybody agree good news well, to really understand good news, you also got to understand some bad news. You know why Jesus didn't come to condemn us? Because we didn't need condemnation. We need salvation. You know why Jesus didn't come to condemn us? Because we're condemned already. See, the Bible talks a lot about condemn and condemnation. It uses those two words. What does that mean? Well, to understand the original meaning of condemnation, it kind of gives this picture of a courtroom. And somebody is being put on trial. They're accused of a crime. They've been found guilty of that crime. Now they are sentenced to the punishment befitting that crime. And now they must experience that punishment. We've also been put on trial. We've been accused of sin. We've been found guilty because we're all good at sinning. And sin actually carries a, carries a punishment. And that punishment is what? 
if we are sinners, we've been accused of sin, we've been found guilty of sin, what is our fair punishment? Death, condemnation. We are condemned. The Bible says this in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, what we deserve, is what? Death. Has there ever been a moment maybe where you were frustrated or angry and you were like, God, give me what I deserve. Turn to your neighbor one last time and say, don't ever do that. Tell them that. Even in the balcony, don't ever do that. Why? Because what do we deserve? Death. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Why? We're condemned already. We don't need condemnation. We need salvation. And you go, well, Shane, why are we condemned? How did we get to this point? Well, to understand that, you have to go back to the beginning of it all. Because if you get on Ancestry.com, we all end up at Adam and Eve. They are great, 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 many great grandparents. They were the first humans. And they had this perfect relationship with their creator, God. But then they rebelled against God and sin entered the picture. Now the power of sin entered humanity. Sin cannot be in the presence of the holiness of God. So now they were separated from their creator. And when the power of sin entered them, it killed something inside of them. Because we're more than flesh and blood. We're more than hands and feet. The Bible says as humans, we are made in the image of God. God is a spirit being. Therefore, we are spiritual beings. So every single one of us has a soul, a spirit on the inside. But when the power of sin entered us, now we became spiritually dead. Meaning there was nothing we could do to fix this spiritual problem because we're spiritually dead. And dead people are good at being what? Dead. This is so culturally relevant. Listen to this. Physical solutions never solve spiritual problems. Because at the heart of every problem is a heart problem, and only God can change the heart. It's a big problem. You go, well, Shane, so what? That was a long time ago. What does that mean to me today in 2023? Here's what it means to us today. Is sin spread like a virus to every person born after Adam and Eve. So you fast forward to us today. What does that mean? It means this. We were all born sinners in need of a Savior. We were all born spiritually dead. We were all born sinners separated from our Creator. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from the 1800s, said it like this. We're born with our backs towards God and our face towards hell. It means this. No one in this room has always been a Christian. Remember, Christianity is not something you're born into. It's something you have to be reborn into spiritually. In fact, have you ever been talking to somebody before and you go, hey man, when did you become a Christian? And they go, oh, I've always been a Christian. And what they mean by that is ever since they were in their mama's womb, they went to some building that had a steeple on top or a cross on the side. Now church, this is an incredible building. But let me ask you this. Does sitting inside of this church building this morning make you a Christian? Just like sitting inside of McDonald's does not make you a Happy Meal. We understand that, right? (laughs) Buildings don't make Christians. Jesus does. We were not born Christians. We were born sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. And you know what? We all know it. In fact, we're all good at sinning, aren't we? You go, listen, there's no holier than thou's in here. There's only sinners in need of a Savior. Maybe this is your first time you've ever been to church, and you go, oh, this is the first time I've been to church. I bet this, this room is full of perfect people. No, it's, it's full of sinners in need of a Savior. 
In fact, there's something wrong with us. In fact, how many of you admit that? Let's just all get on the same page. I'll raise my hand. Anybody want to admit that this morning? How many of you want to say, hey, Shane, there's something wrong with me? Anybody want to admit that? You know what that is? It's sin. How many of you are sitting next to someone? There's definitely something wrong with that person, right? It's sin. Some of you are looking at me right now going, well, Shane, you don't know me. I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says you should not tell a lie. So raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now, sinner. And we all know it. You know, aren't we all good at even justifying our own sin? Have you ever noticed when other people sin, we become judges? But when we sin, we become defense attorneys? You ever compare sin? You go, hey, I know I ain't perfect, but at least I ain't as bad as John is. He's a big sinner. No, no, no. We all are big sinners in need of a Savior. There's something wrong with us, and everybody knows it. You realize everyone knows there's something wrong with us? Think about it. You can even go to a secular bookstore. You can go into Barnes & Noble. You know what Barnes & Noble knows about all of us? That there's something wrong with us. That's why there's a whole section called the what? Self-help section. Because they know we need help. Again, so culturally relevant. Self-help does not solve spiritual problems. See, we've been told as a culture a bunch of self-help nonsense that doesn't help us at all. People, oh, honey, boo-boo child, just follow your heart. You know, follow your heart right into a ditch. Oh, just believe in yourself. Oh, just be your authentic self. You know what your authentic self is? A sinner in need of a Savior. When you say there's no truth, there's just my truth, there's my truth and your truth, there are truth, there are truth, your truth, my truth, there are truth, everywhere true truth. You know why self-help doesn't work? Because often the biggest problem with self is self. And if self is the problem, self can't be the solution. We need someone outside of self. His name is Jesus. That God loved us so much. John 3, 16. That what? He sent his best. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal what? Life. And when he came, he did not come to condemn us. We're all already condemned. He came to save us. That's what we need. All right, are you ready for some good news? Listen, we may be good at sinning, but Jesus is better at saving. Jesus is a better Savior than we are sinner. Can I get a witness up in here today? That 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind. He lived the perfect sin-free life that you and I could not live. He did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. And everything he did was good and awesome. Caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the handicapped to get up and walk. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that, brother. Amen. And then he did the greatest act of love ever. He took our place on the cross. Don't ever get over that. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years. Listen, we do not mature past the gospel. We mature in the gospel. We are sinners. He is sinless. We are messed up. He is perfect. Yet he loved us so much he took our place. Listen, friends, when they shoved the crown of thorns on his head, that should have been me. When they spit in his face, that should have been you. When they nailed him to the cross, that should have been all of us. 
because we deserve to be there. But Jesus loved us so much, he took our place as a perfect sacrifice of our sin, as a perfect substitute in our place. And he died there. And they took the lifeless body of Jesus off the cross and put it in a borrowed grave. Now, this next part should make us yell so loudly, the whole state of Alabama hears us. You know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave? Because he wasn't going to need it long. Because three days later, our Jesus busted out of the grave. Showing that God the Father had accepted God the Son's sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus made the way possible to be forgiven. Jesus made the way possible to have a relationship with our Creator. Jesus made the way possible to have eternal life. Jesus made the way possible to have hope, peace, love, and joy. Listen, the tomb is empty, but the throne is full of the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And because Jesus lives... Hope lives. Because Jesus lives, peace lives. Because Jesus lives, joy lives. Because Jesus lives, real love lives. Love has a name, and that name is Jesus. He made the way possible. He made the way possible. He sits on the throne as King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible says when Jesus is ascended into heaven, he sat down. Now, why did he sit down? Not because he was tired, not because he needed a coffee break. Jesus sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it, church? It is what? Finished. He made the way possible to be forgiven and have eternal life. But that's not the end of the story. Because one day, the trumpet's going to blast and the angels are going to shout and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, especially everything going on right now. People go, hey, Shane, you think Jesus is about to come back? Think Jesus about to come back? See the news? See everything going on? Think Jesus about to come back? What chapter of Revelation are we living today? Think Jesus about to come back? Listen, I don't know. But one thing I do know, he is coming back. And today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel's going to toot and we're going to scoot. That's cool. I like it. <laughs> but when Jesus comes back, who's he coming back for? A bunch of buildings? No, no, no. He's coming back for people whom he has saved and rescued, and who are born again. And you go, well, Shane, well, how does that happen? According to the New Testament, all of those who repent and believe. What does repent mean? Repent means to have a change of heart, change of mind. It comes from a Greek word, the original language of the New Testament, metanoia. It just means to have a change of heart, change of mind, where you realize, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot fix this. No matter self-help, no matter good moral deeds, Please hear this. Good people don't go to heaven. Those who are saved by Jesus do. Because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We can't fix this by our own power. And so you realize that. And then you place your faith, your trust in Jesus to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And when you surrender Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, he places his Holy Spirit in you. The same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave now comes to live inside of you. That God loves you so much he gives you his best himself. You get God. You get to know God. You get to experience God. You get to worship God. But you get God living inside of you. And when God comes to live inside of you, it changes everything. You are now forgiven of sin, past, present, and future. That's amazing. That means this. When Jesus saves us today, he's already factored in our stupidity of tomorrow. How amazing is that grace? When the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, our soul, our spirit that was spiritually dead now becomes spiritually alive to never die again. That even when we draw our last breath and our body hits the ground, who we are goes to be with King Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Where there is no more suffering, there is no more heartache, where there is no more 
wars. There is no more handicapped parking spot. We only know the peace and the goodness of God. How many of you are ready for that day? But listen, here's good news. Here's good news. Eternal life and hope and peace and joy don't start one day. They can start now. Eternal life starts now. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about making good people better. It's about making dead people alive, and only our Jesus can do that. And you can have that now. So maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this, and you feel like something's stirring in you, and you believe God's speaking to you to place your faith in him and let him do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Today's your day. Maybe this is the thousandth time you've heard it. And you go, but Shane, today it hits differently. And I realize I don't know Jesus. I know about him, but I don't have a relationship with him. God doesn't live inside of me, but I want him to. Today's your day. Maybe you're here and you go, man, I, I thought I was a Christian because I was striving to be a good person. And I go to a church building every week, but I don't really know Jesus. Today's your day. Or maybe today, right now, you're already thinking of reasons and excuses why you don't want to surrender your life to Jesus. I want to close real quickly by giving five main reasons and excuses people don't want to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Reason number one, people believe this, Jesus can't forgive me. They'll go, Jesus can't forgive me. He can never forgive me. I'm here to tell you, yes, he can. And you go, well, Shane, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't know what you've done. And you don't know what I've done. But I know what Jesus has done, and it's enough for you. And you go, well, Shane, my sin is big. Hey, hey, mine is too. But Jesus' love is bigger. You go, Shane, my sin is deep. Hey, mine too. But his power to forgive is deeper. You go, Jesus can't forgive me. Yes, he can. All you have to do is let him. Number two, people will say, well, the reason I don't want to surrender to Jesus is I'll wait till later. I'll wait till later. It's cool to see so many young people in here. And so people go, oh, when I get older, I'll do that. When I get married, when I have kids, uh, I'll do that. You know, I just want to live it up right now. Uh, I just kind of want to do my own thing. Uh, when I get older, when, I, I, when, it, when it's later, then I will. Listen, every year I get to travel across the nation and speak to hundreds of thousands of young people, college students, young adults, teenagers. And I've been doing it a long time to know this. You're not guaranteed later. You're not guaranteed older. Every year I preach funerals of young people. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the next breath. So people go, I'll wait till later. You're not guaranteed later. Here's what I promise you. As long as you have life and breath in your lungs, you have an opportunity to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the moment that breath stops, it's too late. Reason number three people give, they'll say, I just want to stay in the middle. And maybe that's you. You go, hey, I just want to stay in the middle. I leave all the religious stuff to my wife and kids. Or I leave all the religious stuff to my parents. I leave all the religious stuff to my husband. I just hang in the middle. You know, I don't want to be any Satan worshiper, but I don't want to be any odd for God Jesus freak either. So I just hang in the middle. Can I please tell you this? There is no middle. Jesus said himself in the Gospel of Matthew, you're either with me or against me. See, the thing about the kingdom of God, you're either in or out. The thing about eternal life, you either have it or you don't. Currently on this planet are 8 billion people, and yet only two kinds. Those who know Jesus and are on their way to heaven, or those who don't know Jesus and are on their way to hell. 
There is no middle. Here's what I promise you is one day you will draw your last breath. And you'll stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And here's what I promise you. He won't go. Great job. You hung in the middle. You're the best middle person I've ever seen. You won't hear that. You'll either hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's for those who knew Jesus and were born again and are part of the kingdom. Or you'll hear the most nightmarish statement that you could ever hear, and it will ring in your ears for all eternity when he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You spend an eternity separated from all the goodness of God in a literal place called hell. Listen, there is no middle. You're either in or out. And as long as you have life and breath in your lungs, you have an opportunity to confess Jesus and be in this morning. Number four reason people give, they'll go, hey, I just want to party in hell and party with the devil. That, that was me. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't get saved till I was 21. In high school and college, my trinity was not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My trinity was sports. I was an athlete, partying and chasing girls. I'll just be honest. There were times that me and my friends would be drunk and high and we would say stupid stuff like this. I don't care if I'm going to hell. All my friends are going to be there. We're going to have a party. We're going to party with the devil. It's going to be awesome. How dumb were we? You know, Jesus also tells another story in Luke about this man who is in hell and he's under so much torment He's pleading for one drop of water to be placed on his tongue. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like a party. In fact, you know where the party's going to be? In heaven, around the throne of God, when we get to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords for all eternity. You want to be where the party is? Heaven is where the party's going to be. Number last, real quick, number last. People will say this, well, Jesus can't change me. We go, Shane, I've been the same way for 30 years. I've been the same way for 70 years. Jesus can't change me. I've tried everything, and I just can't change. This is just who I am. Well, listen, nothing is impossible for our God. Jesus can change you. The gospel is enough. God's grace is sufficient. Here's what I believe about our Jesus. You're not too lost for Jesus to find. You're not too dirty for Jesus to cleanse. You're not too broken for Jesus to fix. You're not too wounded for Jesus to heal. You're not too far gone for Jesus to reach. You're not too guilty for Jesus to forgive. And you're not too sinful for Jesus to save. That's what I believe about the Jesus whom we're talking about in his love. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Guess what? That everyone, that means you. That means you. So again, in closing, maybe you're here and you go, Shane, this is the first time I've ever heard it. But today I believe God's speaking to me to start a relationship with him and have a brand new start and truly live out the purpose of my life which is to know him. Maybe you're here and you go, Shane, this is the thousandth time I've heard it. But today it just hit differently and I realize I don't know Jesus. But I want to and I want his grace and forgiveness and his love. Today's your day. Maybe you're here and you go, Shane, I've been, that's me, man. I've been hanging in the middle. And today I realize there's no middle and I'm all the way out. But today I want to know Jesus and receive his grace and his forgiveness and his life and begin to follow him and have hope and peace and joy 
today's your day. Maybe you go, Shane, I came in thinking I was good with God because I believed in the big man upstairs and went to some church building, but I don't know Jesus and I don't have a relationship with him and God doesn't live inside of me, but I want him to. Today's your day. Here's what my desire for you is, is that you would not leave this building today the same that you walked in. Maybe you walk out today a follower of Jesus that has eternal life. 